Welcome. You are listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, and this is Rabbi Elliot Cosgrove. While it's always better to hear it live, this is a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. Enjoy our latest installment. Welcome to the Park Avenue Synagogue Parsha podcast. This is Rabbi Ethan Witkowski, and today we have a special guest, the director of the Hebrew School Project at the Jewish Community Project, Aaron Beezer. Aaron Beezer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I can't believe it's the first time that we've had you on since you're basically listening to everyone that's recorded. Uh, in addition to being the director of the Hebrew School Project, Aaron, you have another role uh, that is... Um, Less important to the Jewish people, but more important to me. Uh, what is that role? We're married. Yes, that's the one. I knew I'd seen you before. Uh, so how have you been? You know, doing all right. Can't complain. Okay, great. Let's get to the Parsha, shall we? So in this week's Parsha, Parsha Shoftim, we read about the creation of the system of judges that Moses instructs the people to appoint when they enter the land judges who will administer the, the law and, and be in charge of both its explanation as well as its fulfillment. And then later in the Parsha, we read about the priests and the role that the priests are going to have. And I, I wanted to know what you make of these roles that were given in these long lists here in the Parsha. I think the Torah is trying to set up a system where everyone knows their roles. Everyone knows who's responsible for what. You have a system of justice. You have a system of education. If you have a question about a ritual, you know that you're supposed to ask the priest. And the Torah tells us that you're supposed to listen to everything that the priest says and not deviate from it to the right or to the left, which is pretty extreme. Yes, that does sound a little extreme. You know, it's also interesting because throughout it, though, the Torah is treating the reader as if they are also going to be actors in all of this. So while we set up a system of judges, we also say tzedek tzedek tirdof, right? You shall surely pursue justice yourself. And when we talk about asking the priests, there's this line that says, if you have a question that is too baffling for you, then you go and ask the priest, which says to me that people are doing some kind of education or learning or study at home, and it's only when they hit these really hard ones that they have to go to the priest. So it, it seems like the lay people are also involved. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I think you could think about it in two ways. You could think about it in such a way that education is meant to be lived. And if you have a question about your own behavior when it comes to working for justice or living out a ritual in Jewish tradition, that you should make sure that it's to the point of the greater system and that it's working in concert with the rest of the community, that it's, it's, it's to a greater end. Um, to changing your own behavior to benefit the greater good or to the benefit of others. And I think that there is a benefit to consulting experts and that you are responsible for your own learning to an extent. And speaking as someone who works in education, I think of education as a profession, as a, as a science, uh, not necessarily an art or a, a gift that, that some people have, but, but a skill that can be learned 
But now I want to ask you a question, which is what happens when the system breaks down? We're about to enter into a world, I think, where many of us are being asked to be parents as well as educators as our kids are home or, or, or we're supervising Zoom learning or um, something like that. So, so what can you say to people who are now going to be asked to to engage in that science of education, even if we're not trained as such. And we don't have the benefit of being married to someone who is, and we can just um, make, make her do it. I think what's important to remember about this time that we're living through is that it's, it's not like we're all working from home or our kids are engaging in some sort of weird psychological virtual learning experiment this is a national emergency. And I think one of the most important things that we can do is just have patience uh, with ourselves and trust this process and not be so product oriented um, and results oriented and worry that our kids are falling behind or focus on the content of of what they're trying to learn in their virtual school, but more about the process in which they are engaging with the world right now and thinking about the intangible learning opportunities that are available to them just by being home and by not being in school and by trying to focus on the positive benefits of this moment, you might find yourself creating learning opportunities for your whole family that wouldn't have existed were it not for this very strange and very rare opportunity to be working alongside your children while they're also engaging in their own learning. Well, I really appreciate that and think that you're right. I wonder if you, as someone who does this for a living, have any suggestions or tips for us as we are home and trying to create educational experiences for our children or religious educational experiences for our children. Um, I will say as someone who's watched you do it, you're quite good at creating these home moments. And I wonder if you have any advice for the rest of us. Thank you for that. I think that there's, on the one hand, there's the uh, temptation to really optimize this time at home with our kids and pick up new skills and cook new dishes and try to introduce new Jewish rituals that can feel really daunting and like a lot of pressure. And while I wouldn't want anybody to feel like if they're not you know, studying Talmud every day with their kids and they're not really making the best use of the quarantine, I also think that there is something really powerful about modeling that behavior with your children and saying, let's try something new, or um, I'm not quite sure about this Jewish ritual, but let's give it a try. And if we all feel really silly and we have a good laugh, then there's something really powerful in that moment as well, even if it wasn't, you know, 100% correct. Well, I, I'm sorry, but you, you lost me at you don't want us to study Talmud every day with our children. Uh, I immediately regret having you on the podcast. As you're talking, uh, I'm thinking to myself about all the things that I would like to have for our kids and all the things that I would like for them to see and to grow up with and to do and, and acknowledging that there's you know some, some loss in some of the things that they won't get to see this year or the places they won't get to go. I wonder if there are any home-based 
rituals or home-based uh, observances that we could pick up this year um, that we maybe want to try that we would normally not have done because we're rushing off to synagogue or something like that for Shabbat or Rosh Hashanah or anything? Yeah, I think um, I think the possibilities are, are are really endless, and I think that that's what is so paralyzing for people at home. Um, and that's where I think the Torah has it right that sometimes it's okay to go to an expert and to say, you know, this whole Jewish thing, this whole Jewish life at home during a pandemic thing, this is really baffling. I could use some some help. I could use some ideas. And I think that that's what's really awesome about what you and your colleagues at the Park Avenue Synagogue have done for everyone during this time is be really present for families and help provide those resources because I wouldn't know where to start. And I think that a lot of families are in that position of, you know, wanting to do something that's going to feel connected and grounded in this very disorienting and disruptive moment, but not even knowing or even having the headspace to seek that out. And I think it's, it's what, you know, you and Jamie Diamond and the young family education department do and Josh Rosenberg and all your colleagues do really well to help connect families to each other and connect families to something greater than themselves and to help everybody feel that in this moment, they're a part of something larger instead of stuck in, in their own homes with their own screaming kids. And I feel really grateful for those opportunities. Thank you. Now, when you say um, product focused, uh, you, you mean sort of the, the project of Jewish education. Is that right? I think that can mean different things to different families. I think families are concerned at this time when kids aren't in in-person regular schooling that they're going to somehow fall behind that whatever you know that that means that they're not learning the particular content they're not receiving test scores they're not taking ACTs or national standardized tests and that they're falling they're falling behind what kind of Hebrew school are you running with <laughs> ACTs and national standardized tests no, I think we serve whole learners, you know, not just the Jewish parts. So I think that, you know, the families that I am connected to are concerned about the gaps in the traditional schooling that their children are going to be encountering throughout this year as remote schooling continues and is a poor substitute for the quality of in-person learning. But I think what I would say to them is we have to look at education as a project of the whole person. Jewish education, math, English, literacy, these are subjects and these are experiences that are felt deeply in the social emotional experiences of children and are throughout their entire lives and throughout their in the entire community. So I would say that to be concerned only about one child's cognitive academic output is missing the entire possibility of this experience as being rich in many other kinds of learning. It might not have been the learning that we would have signed up for starting last March, but it is so rich. And I would want families to see that process, that journey as being one that, no, though not ideal and maybe not a process or a journey that we would have undertaken willingly, um, as one that's been really valuable for for the majority of, of learners in this time. Thank you, thank you. And, and Aaron, before we go, there, there's something we do with um, everyone who comes on the podcast, Every, everybody does this. We're, we're, we're gonna have the Parsha podcast lightning round. Are, are you ready? I'm ready. So uh, Aaron, 
who would you say of all the clergy at Park Avenue Synagogue is, let's just go uh, the, the most brilliant? Elliot Cosgrove. That's fair. Sorry, that's is there fair. another answer that's to that fair. question? I don't understand. So, well, that's fine. That's fine. Who would you say uh, is, is the, just the, the best looking? Well, that one's obviously Neil Zuckerman. It's just... That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. I've walked into that. Uh, but who of all of the clergy at Park Avenue Synagogue is by far and away the uh, tallest and baldest? Is Stephen Phil bald? All right. That's all the time we have on the Park Avenue Synagogue Parsha podcast. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you, Aaron Beezer, for being our guest this uh, week. And we look forward to seeing you all again soon. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to Park Avenue Podcasts, a place to be to catch the music, sermons, and select programs of Park Avenue Synagogue. If you like what you are hearing or want to learn more about the community, please check out our website at www.pasyn.org. See you in shul. Hallelujah.